0: Fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify, this is Twenty, the Watch Clicker Podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how
1: are you? I'm so good. Go yeah. Blazers. Go Blazers. Go Blazers. What a good finish, too. Oh my gosh. You know what? Those guys, there's no reason they should win that game. In fact, I felt like they got destroyed the entire game. And I think that we only didn't have the lead for I don't know two minutes the whole stinking game neighborhood
0: of that I didn't watch I didn't watch the game as, as you got to but I watched the on ESPN just hit just pulled refresh just pulled oh, yeah. down, pulled down pulled down pulled
1: down yeah yeah for, for most of the game and gamecast or whatever yeah yeah uh so we're talking about game one of the Portland uh Los Angeles Lakers series just watched game one so it's tuesday evening kind of late kind of dude i've been i've fallen asleep twice tonight (laughs) i'm sorry and i appreciate you i appreciate you respecting the uh decision to watch the game in full one of the the
0: times my wife came in and woke me up and she's like you need to get up and i was like for what it's like you're recording tonight i was like what am i recording (laughs) she's like you record a podcast tonight i'm
1: like Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's that's how it goes. But yeah, other than that I'm really good. We did our backpacking trip this last weekend which was a blast. It looked like fun. Uh, super fun, man. You, you know, we're sort of inexperienced backpackers, so I don't think that the trip was particularly uh in terms of backpacking. I don't think the trip was particularly technical or challenging, but um, it's a good recreational backpacking trip. Yeah, I think for a couple of middle-aged parents with very little backpacking experience, it was in terms of uh, three-day trips you could do uh, up there, you know. And even like, I think you know, some of these backpacking websites rate this as a difficult trail, right? So there was parts of it that were tr- that were tough. Um, you know, we're not using ice axes or needing to refine our arrest techniques or anything, but there was times where it was like we were off path no-maintained trail on the side of a mountain where if we take the wrong step, we fall to our death. And that's exciting.
0: A little bit, yeah. It makes you feel alive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was great, man. Uh, three days, uh, like I said, about 25 miles, beautiful campsites, uh, beautiful views. Day three in particular of this trip was just incredible. You know, you're in a crater, glacier, lake at one point. You're on an unmaintained trail on a ridge line at 7,500 feet. At another point, uh, just really fantastic, beautiful, gorgeous.
0: Yeah. How are you? I'm good. I've had a I've had a nice long relaxing weekend.
1: You're right at the end of your weekend. I'm,
0: I'm closing up my weekend today, um, but a, a nice, just a relaxing, do as little as possible weekend. Just how I like it. Love that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm energized. I have a. Clementine, Clementine, Clemente, White Claw, <laughs> Roberto, in front of me. three point seven percent alcohol. This is not even alcoholic.
1: This Zero. is like the amount of alcohol it's in kombucha. Zero gram sugar, seventy calories. Give it to me. It's it's pretty tasty. Put it in me, Clemente. Mm-hmm.
0: But other than that, I'm doing good. I was excited to hear about your your trip. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. jealous of it.
1: It's interesting the different. Uh, recitations of the trip you get from kim versus me yeah
0: hers is hers is much more horror filled (laughs) a lot more drama many more near-death experiences
1: Um, not that she's dramatic i think she's just she had a different level of preparation for the danger of the yeah and i
0: think those are also unfamiliar experiences to kim
1: yeah like like
0: kim has never used a rope to traverse
1: over a river Right. (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah. Which is, which seems pretty mundane to us. Like people, you see it on like extreme shows where these people are doing challenges and they're like, hey, hey, travel, like traverse this rope or traverse this river on this rope. You don't even have to build the bitch. Right. You just have to hook on and slide yourself across. (laughs) Like, there's
1: not some kid that had to jump into the river with a rope tied on him to get to the other side. Yeah.
0: Well, that seems. We're, that's the fun part. What are they doing? Yeah. They're, like, they're we're, just moving over on a rope, yeah. Which is a little mundane. Do that in the gym somewhere, yeah. asshole. Like Just a little mundane task. It's something we've done <laughs> so many times. Yeah. Um, so part of it is just desensitization.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's right. I think that's right. Not to say, you know, I was a judge advocate, right? So it's not like my military experience is particularly... Uh, What's the word? Outdoorsy, right? I, I mean, still getting there.
0: There's that foundational experience that everyone right. goes through. I mean, not many people have done a hundred foot rappel over the side of a fire training building, and
1: and I was a Cav scout for about four months at the yeah, very least. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> scouts out. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> at least four months as a Cav scout. So, all right, <laughs> we should get into it because we've got look, we are are talking about real watches today. We are. We're, we're going to dive into a heavy topic, sort of. It's not heavy. It's, I think it's, it's light as far as these things go, but ooh, light. Yeah. <laughs> Strapping you, bitches. Because you weigh less at higher altitudes. That's oh, science. oh, that's good. That's good. I wasn't there yet, but you, you've I don't done think it. that's true either. I no. I think yeah. almost certainly that's not true.
0: Yeah, you got to be at quite an elevation to weigh less, <laughs> like the fucking moon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so we can scratch that part.
1: Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll edit uh, that out. I promise, so, 100% I'll edit that out. So today,
0: <laughs> this eve, we're talking
1: Everest watches.
0: Yeah. Specifically, the controversy and, you know, the non-controversy of the first watch to summit Everest. Let's take it back to 1953. Andrew. I think, So first, we need to go a little bit further than that. Oh, you always do this to me. I, we're gonna. We're no. We're gonna go to 1953. But 1953 there's
1: 1953 is like 70 years ago. There's
0: a more. There, there's an important part prior to 1953. You're right, and I accept it. You're right, and I accept it. And it's and it, it's important because it's it's one of the first watches to ever attempt Everest. I and think that's, that's important. important. I think right? you're right. I think it's
1: important. So we're 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 gonna go back to. Are we going to talk about the G-Shock MRG210T? No. Okay. It's <laughs> pretty cool. We're going to talk about
0: 1921, 22, and 24. Just real briefly. A fellow named George Mallory, I've wearing heard of this guy, I wearing, wearing heard of a Borgel to attempt Everest. And that's so that's the first watch that we can point to definitively and said attempted Everest. Now he never he never summited Everest. He got to Oh, shoot. I don't recall the elevation he got to, but I just wanted to point it out that it's a surviving tool. It's a surviving watch that attempted Everest in 1923. Right. Or 1924 was his third attempt that his watch is surviving from. Uh, And the crystal was broken off during his attempt. So the uh, dial is all oxidized and the hands have rusted away. But the, the watch is, other than that, in generally good condition.
1: You know, I think that it's easy to forget about Mallory, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, it's important to the story that 30 years, I mean, really 30 years before people tried this again, Mallory was up there and he was getting super dang close. Yeah. I, I mean, really close, like within 500 feet uh, or so, right?
0: A few, few hundred feet. Yeah. I, I think less than 500 feet from the summit, they were, he was there. He was right there. 30 years ahead of him. And then it took 30 years to cover
1: those couple hundred feet. Yeah. Yeah, and I think some of it's funding and some of it's excitement and... Annual attempts mandated by the Nepalese
0: government. They were not allowing more than one attempt per year for a good chunk of time there. So one expedition, whoever could could get readiest to the fastest or whatever politics went into you being the one to draw your attempt. That was a big factor.
1: Yeah. Well, and then, you know, you start to get into the war... Uh, you know, geopolitics at the time are really crazy. Uh, you've just got a lot going on really through the forties. Uh, certainly the twenties, uh, you're in the, the middle of the depression, right? You get into the thirties, you start to have real sort of scary stuff going on late thirties into the forties. Nothing's happening, right? You're well, right. something's happening. It's just not recreationally, right? <laughs> Nothing focused. is happening in terms of let's go play. Let's go play this game and get as high as we can and as far as we can. Recreation. We got other shit to conquer. We got some shit to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so, right. an important
0: preface. Somebody got very close, wearing a largely unknown watch brand. So now we can fast forward into the fifties.
1: I think. I think the fifties, in terms of. Watches are really important, right? Mm-hmm. You've got a little bit earlier than that. Rolex really up in the game in terms of marketing. Yep. The Oyster Perpetual, the OP case is uh, a hit, right? Certainly yep. not the first waterproof watch, but but they can tell you that it was Hans Woldorf and people will believe it is a revolutionary, right? And he's and he sees what needs to happen. Uh, In in terms of how do I get my watch in front of the right cameras, in front of the right writers, in front of the right publications to solidify this story? And he does a phenomenal job. I say he, Rolex, they, they, it, it does a fantastic job in this front, right? They're certainly the world leaders in terms of... Right place, right mm-hmm. time. You know, at, at least back then, right? And they're they're about to take a hit, uh, to the company across the river. I don't know if Omega's across the river or not. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, but but right, they're they're there, they're in the right place, right time, and and he's done a very good job with that.
0: And then come the fifties, and they're focusing on tool watches because in the thirties, they had the first watch fly over everest and that was that was sort of their their mantra was equipping expeditions and pioneers because that was how they were getting their watches in the right places at the right times they were attaching them to these celebrities i mean these are the first brand ambassadors that we see right right? are people repping rolex on these death-defying revolutionary tricks and adventures and they're they've got a rolex on their wrist so that you know what, damn, I need one too.
1: And and you know, it's interesting because they're not doing it in the way that other companies were. Uh, You you know, really, they're just giving people watches. Mm -hmm. They're not- They're loaning them watches and then taking them back. That's right. Yeah. They're not providing uh, infrastructure support. No. uh, Or logistics support. They're just like, hey, here's this cool watch. Why don't you carry it with you? Yeah, and then give it back when you're done. (laughs) Don't think this is yours. You can't have it. This is not a gift. You know, which in some ways seems a little, I mean, to me, I feel like, gosh, wouldn't it be better if they were really sort of tucked into the expedition or the dive or uh, whatever it is? Wouldn't it be better if they were tucked into that in this supportive logistical way? That's more expansive. But that's more expensive. It's yeah. more
0: expensive. And it's not a, it's not adding anything to their goal, which
1: is to have a great marketing campaign to sell more watches. They were already in the 40s and then into the 50s confident enough in their brand that they would just say, hey, here's the watches. Take them with you. Good luck. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. Right? That's, that's some balls. And, and, and it's in a well-established brand at this point. But I don't know if it's so well established to say, hey, all y- your responsibility when you're summoning Everest is just to wear this watch, bring it back down, and then we're going to take it back and we're going to do whatever we want with it. Like that, that should make sense for Omega on the moon missions, mm-hmm. but less so for Everest. Yeah. Like when, when they could provide infrastructure support.
1: You know, and I think that that is a good segue into the other company that's really important in this story, which is Smith. Smiths. Yeah, so Smith's... Who, importantly, was providing additional
0: infrastructure and provided instruments and tools for this expedition.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, Smith's... I, I think Smith's is sort of a funny brand, right? Because Smith's watches exist today. But Smith's watches are divorced from the Smith's group, which is today, still today, an extremely important engineering firm, Mm-hmm. That's making gauges and all sorts of other crazy shit that I don't even know about. Smith's Group is actually an incredibly powerful British company still today. But the Smith's watches that are made by Time Factors are not the same, no. right? Smith's is a company uh, that had incredible power uh, in, I mean, really internationally, but certainly in European, uh, in European operations and their watch group really in the late 70s with the advent of the quartz watch sort of fizzles out mm-hmm. sort of fizzles out but in the 50s smiths group and smith watches were very much one and the same they were this i think smiths engineering is what it was called or smiths of europe perhaps uh these are the same company right uh it's a it's a like seiko perhaps or or even dare i say casio right this is mm-hmm. a company that's very much uh married to the pursuit of all sorts of technologically important things
0: so we've now introduced the players right we talk about the expedition
1: let's do it man
0: let's do it the expedition itself was it has is fascinating to me because it's like so many other expeditions where the guys who were supposed to be first weren't first
1: yeah it feels like uh it feels like space right i mean it feels super similar to the space race
0: because it's so unpredictable, so challenging, and very little I mean, so a large part of it is your ability, your courage, your inclination. But a far greater part is, yeah, no, we can't even see the top, so we're not gonna go. Right. Like here <laughs> here we are five hundred meters below the summit, and we're turning around. Thanks yeah. for trying. So this first crew goes up and they get turned around in nineteen fifty-three. And this was this was their ooh. Which attempt was this for them? This is the second attempt. Yeah, the second attempt because yeah, right? they did one two years prior. Right? So in, in
1: 1953, I think the there's a UK group put together uh, by the Royal Geographic Society, uh, yep. b- largely by the Royal Geographic Society. Fifteen people from New Zealand, mm-hmm. the UK, obviously, and Nepal. So fifteen folks get together. They've got some. They've got some publicists as part of the group. They've got some sherpas as part of the group and then they've got some international climbers right professional climbers which at the time was sort of a uh a a really fancy occupation right it's not like today where uh you're you're an influencer or whatever right these are guys that are just dedicated to exploration and at the time exploration was a real thing yeah there are places we have not gotten to and by God, we're going to get there. Let's do it. Yeah. And it was important, right? It was important in the same way the space race was important, right? This is a place that we haven't gotten to, and we should really try to be get there mm-hmm. uh, for for simply for, for the purpose of having gotten there, right? I think it feels sort of like Mars maybe feels like today. Like, if we can get to Mars, maybe we should. If we can get to the summit of Everest, maybe we should.
0: D- to show man's conquering spirit? That's right. Man, manifest destiny mm-hmm. uh, So anyway This huge team Embarks on yet another attempt To yeah. summit Everest yeah. And it's crazy that this is still a problem today In the year 2020 sure. This is still a problem Where people have unsuccessful attempts to summit Everest And they're up there for months Acclimating to the, to the Elevation Slowly working their way up And then get there, bad weather turn around
1: and there's like a, an entire valley on Everest just yeah. full
0: of dead people that there's there's people up near the summit the blue boots or or green boots green boots whatever his name is people yeah. just still just walk by this guy there's like
1: there's no way to recover can, him <laughs> nothing we can do about
0: that one uh red boots what's his name yeah i don't know it's a, it's related to the color of his boots that's the only they they think they may have identified him but they're not really sure.
1: You know, John Krakauer's book on the Everest Summit, on that that fateful sort of, uh, there's been a movie made, and that book is so good because he really talks about the, the desolation of the event. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, here we are, uh, I don't know how many people were on that expedition, 20 or so. Here we are, 20 sort of well-to-do, normal well-adjusted people doing this thing that's got this incredibly high risk of death uh and you know we're we're going along the way and we're seeing people who haven't made it recently you know and they're dead no there's that guy you know or yeah uh what's his face i'm blanking on the guy's name but um you know yeah well he fell down and passed out and we left him he was done (laughs) guy's blinded and gets up and hikes down You know, it's like this incredibly fortuitous, ruthless, ruthless, brutal event that people still
0: do. Recreationally, I think is important to include in that statement that oh yeah, no, he's just dead. In any other world, in any other circumstance, you see a person collapse and is probably dead, you seek help. Yeah, that's right. Not on Everest. (laughs) Yeah, not on Everest. That's right. Because you gotta get to the top. So we have the stage set. We have the nineteen fifty three expedition equipped with their dozen or so watches made by Smiths and two, Rolex.
1: Two dozen, two dozen, yeah. two dozen Rolexes, just Rolexes, given to this team of fifteen people, unevenly. I should add. Yeah, they give them to some people, not to others.
0: And I wonder how that went. Do you think they just gave them a bag and they're like, "Hey, here is your Rolexes," and 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 it was just like, "Oh, I'll take two. I'll take three. I'll take two." And the last guy's like, "I guess I don't get any."
1: <laughs> I bet that is what it is like. Yeah. So
0: so anyway. We've got this expedition, and they have their first unsuccessful summit attempt.
1: Yeah, so two guys, Charles Evans and Tom Bourdillon, Bourdieuon. Bourdieuon?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: Okay. Well, so these, two, these two guys, they're going to be the guys, right? hmm And they're just totally equipped with Rolex OPs. Oh, uh, blinged the fuck out. Yeah, that's right. So caliber 7065, Rolex OP 6098s, big bubble back, dope the coolest watch on earth right At so prototype yeah. Rolex, uh, coolest watch on earth and so they've got these things on for sure they've got these things yep. on but bordigine is that how we're going to pronounce it
0: well we can we can just say what we
1: want yeah. Mortetella. Mortetella is he's he's an innovator right he's an engineer uh so he's he's both a climber a, a, an explorer and an engineer and he's designed a breathing apparatus mm mm-hmm. mhm And it's an incredibly complex and extremely efficient breathing apparatus. At the time, it's the most technologically advanced breathing apparatus on Earth.
0: And now it would be akin to a snorkel.
1: Perhaps. (laughs) The problem with it is, is it's finicky, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little finicky because... It's new technology,
0: right? And, and it's prototypical, right? It hasn't been tested at this yeah. elevation. It hasn't been tested in this demanding climate. You just don't know if your regulators are going to freeze.
1: Yeah, if the air is going to freeze, like you just don't know. And, and so, and and ultimately, that's what does them yeah. in. Is Portigine's, uh oxygen system incredibly, incredibly efficient and in economical? Freezes and and fails, right? The the weather is just not uh hospitable enough and it fails and 300 feet from summit and that's 300 feet vertically right it's not 300 feet yeah
0: it's not like you can crawl the rest of the way that's right
1: uh but 300 feet vertically his air system fails and evans and Bordigine have to go back down the mountain i think it's bordillon i think so (laughs) (laughs) brisketta man brisketta uh yeah so they fail they feel certainly wearing Rolexes. And we know this because
0: there's great photographs of these guys on their retreat, in their defeat, coming back down and sitting there and lamenting their defeat. There's great pictures of them wearing Rolex watches. Yeah. Indisputable photographic evidence of them wearing these watches
1: in color. Yes, that's right. Yellow gold, wonderful Best watch on earth Rolexes. But guess what? They didn't summit Everest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have one of we those. We have one
1: of them. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: I yeah. think that's the first time we've successfully used one of those on the air. Well, you already womp womped. <laughs> I know. So, so It's not successful.
0: So fast forward a day. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not yet, Sir Hillary. There, that's right. So, Edmund Hillary, not yet knighted, yeah. He was knighted because of his that's right, uh, summit. So, So so. just regular old Ed, just yeah, just Ed the asshole, uh, (laughs) stumbling up from
1: behind. Hey guys, it's the B team, (laughs) stumbling up with their and Tenzing Norgay, right? I think we were quick to say Edmund Hillary, right? And Tenzing Norgay, that's there's no reason not to include Tenzing Norgay except for xenophobia. Is that appropriate?
0: Okay, yeah, I accept.
1: Yeah. I think you're probably right, yeah. Right, these guys, you know, I I, I struggle with this part of the story, right? Because Sir Edmund Hillary summited Everest. Fuck that. Totally unsupported. He just, he walked to the bottom of that mountain. He's like, I'm gonna climb it. And he just strolled on up. No big deal. He was wearing an OP. And Sir Tenzing Norgay. Yeah. Also was, <laughs> was so, there, right? Probably, he was probably just pr- making tea or something, y- right? Y- you know what's interesting of this
0: is of the two... Tenzig is more likely to have been wearing a Rolex. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, uh-oh, we dropped a bomb. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: So there's a question here. There's a lot of questions and a, a lot of, dare I say, conspiracy theory associated with what e- Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzig Orge wore on that fateful summit. Yeah. And this is important. And th- this is important because it is kind of a cornerstone... Of Rolex's heritage right we've we've got some major
1: assumptions yeah so they summit they they do they they make it to the summit they make it so on May 29th yep. 1953 at almost exactly 11:30 a.m. local time Everest time Himalaya time yep they reach the summit of Everest.
0: Hooray!
1: <laughs> Does
0: that count? Yeah that's a good one. <laughs> but for some reason you had to preface it with your sound effect <laughs> i'll get better <laughs> so they summit and there's nobody there to celebrate with them yeah so they have to
1: They've climb got to back, back, down.
0: back down the mountain it five, seems
1: like they could send like the celebration party up
0: five hour climb back down to base camp from be like hey y'all we made it and then it's a series of i mean the original marathon like man running message nike to get this message back to the United Kingdom to say we've successfully summited Mount Everest.
1: Yeah, you know, and th- this is this is where the conspiracy, I think, sort of yes. starts to take off, right? There's a fellow that's been retained by the Royal Geographic Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is, at the time, James Morris. Now Jan Morris. Uh, James Morris. Now Jan Morris is is waiting. In wait, retained by the Royal Geographic Society with code words, yes, to get back to the London Times about the summit. And who and what was worn?
0: That's important. Yeah. That Rolex was so integral to this expedition that there were code words to indicate
1: watches. And so this, thats right, right. So who who established the code words? Yeah, who's controlling? Like this is real conspiracy shit.
0: Yes. It's fun. So, so now, now here's the next thing. There's some
1: photographs of them post summit. Mm.
0: There's no OP in sight.
1: No, they, well, you know, there's no gold watches in yeah. sight. Yeah. There are only steel watches, which fit the description of a certain Smith's watch. Smith's watch. And not of a dope 6098 bubble back gold Rolex. Why is that? There's some questions.
0: And so, so one there, there's a, a, a bazillion theories, and we're only going to cover a couple of them. Now, among the theories are that how on earth could you get a clear enough photograph in 1953 to indicate yes or no? Mm. Totally reasonable. Mm-hmm. Like, the truth is controlled by the winners. Rolex was the winner. They get the truth. Another one is that Edmund Hillary didn't wear his. He just kept in his pocket to yeah. keep it safe so that he could look at it and tell the time.
1: And I think that this one goes beyond theory. I think at least with regards to Edmund Hillary, I think it's safe to say, and and, and I'll back that up in a second, but I think it's safe to say that Edmund Hillary was not wearing a Rolex on his wrist when he summited Everest. I mean, he has all but said as much. Not only has he all but said as much, but Rolex has all but said as much. Yeah,
0: and this is where the plot has thickened. We're talking molasses, (laughs) peanut butter, (laughs) thick right now
1: we're talking about craft mac and cheese after two hours in the pan yeah it's thick don't eat that she thick don't eat that that's when it's best man two hours yeah yeah congealed that's my favorite man no (laughs) yuck
0: okay so after this message is passed back to the uk
1: the next day both smith and rolex publish their ads well, so wait, Smith's runs an advertisement on the first, or excuse me, Rolex runs an advertisement on the first, along with the press release. yeah, it's not for two days later that Smith's gets their word into the into the London Times.
0: oh, it's not yeah, until yeah. the
1: third that Smith's gets their advertisement in, and this is, I think, the cornerstone of the conspiracy, right? yeah, you've got James Morris, now Jan Morris. Who gives the information to the Times with code words? Let's just go Jay Morris. So we don't have to both name J Jan Morris. I I mean, I think AP I think AP rules say we call we call uh, Morris, Jay Morris, Jan Morris. Fair. So okay. I'll accept. Jan Morris. She gets her message to the Times with code words. Rolex publishes on the first. It's not till two days later that Smiths catches up, right? Because, of course, now we've got the ability. We know what happens. Rolex knew right away. Rolex knew right away.
0: Yeah. Did they intercept the communique?
1: Yeah. It seems like maybe the communique was intercepted for them. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we have these ads published. Both companies claiming
0: to have just conquered Everest. But Rolex was first. And who's right? The first one.
1: And interestingly... Rolex suggests, but does not state.
0: Yeah, some ambiguity there.
1: Suggests, but does not state that their watches were on the summit. Uh, and I think that this is kind of the, uh, the thing that's, that rubs people wrong about the story, right? Because you think if you're Rolex and you've provided all these watches and all this support, and you're so heavily involved in this process, that if you could state maybe you would just state yeah but they don't or maybe you'd have a picture right (laughs) wouldn't that be great yeah right so they've got pictures they've got copy yeah there's a colonel hunt who's heavily involved in this process and there are statements from colonel hunt that are almost certainly statements that he made about prior missions yeah Uh, or
0: made prior to the expedition
1: yeah that's right that's right. So you've got all these sort of vague, ambiguous suggestions by Rolex that they were there, but nowhere do they ever say they were on the that they were on the summit for that 1953 Hillary and Orge summit. And you just... The assumption is, if they were there, they would just say, we were there. Look, you, we're the first ones. Why? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the obvious takeaway is because... They didn't. They didn't. Yeah, that's right. Which
0: is not to say they weren't for sure there, because there's some questions about whether or not Hillary just had the Rolex on him but wasn't wearing
1: it. Yeah. Well, and we know that certainly they were involved, right? If there was a watch company involved, Rolex was as involved as anybody. Yeah. Well, no, they were not as involved as Smiths. Yeah, perhaps in terms of logistical support, yeah. but in terms of like the watches of Everest, they were they were there. They were the biggest watch component of that group.
0: And at the very worst, they were at the
1: highest base camp. Yeah. And 300 meters shy of the summit. And it's important to say at this point that the bubble back 6098 OP was a better watch. Mm-hmm. It was a better watch. It was an automatic watch, which a lot of the guys preferred. It was a better watch. Something about the Smiths Everest, the Smiths uh, 4009 uh, yeah. or 4090. Yeah, I don't remember. It's a 4000 series. Yeah. So it was the Smiths 4004, which was the off-the-shelf version and there's an updated upgraded version with shadowed numerals that were given to these explorers uh and it, it was a fantastic watch but probably not as good a watch so so rolex not, not purpose-built
0: for this which makes it objectively not as good for this purpose that's right rolex
1: was there certainly they were there with a better watch but it seems highly likely that they weren't actually on that summit.
0: It begs the question: Why weren't they wearing them? They were available to be worn. Why were these guys choosing? Because I'm, I'm gonna, ex- I, I Andrew am accepting that they didn't wear the
1: Rolex to the summit.
0: Well, why were they choosing that Smith's watch over the
1: Rolex? And it's, I think it's this time where it's appropriate for us to say we don't know a fucking thing about this trip. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. <laughs> We've read numerous articles in preparation in this episode, and we are just giving you a, a, a very brief summary of our findings. There's Hodinki has written about this thing like eight gazillion times. You know, the best article we found, though? Yeah. Was from the Outdoor Journal. There's a fellow named Matthew Knight that writes for Outdoor Journal, and he's got, I think, the best article on this. And you found that article, Andrew, it, and it's and perhaps kudos. The, the most well researched. I think that's right
0: it, because this guy, it, this was a conspiracy theorist obsession. Just from reading the article, the, the the news clippings, the statements he's pulling out, the the research that went into
1: it, this man was obsessed. He cared, and he comes to a slightly different conclusion than I think that the most popular lore is. I think if you read about this, you're going to come to the conclusion that Hillary. Was wearing a Smith's watch and carrying a Rolex watch. Mm-hmm. probably. but that Norgay had declined the loner watch and instead was wearing a gold date just that he had received for an earlier mission. yeah, and that he was wearing that gold date just as he summoned it. I think that most people who know this topic conclude that Norgay was wearing a gold date just of his that he owned. His own gold date, just when he summited Everest, Matthew Knight disagrees, and yeah, and I'm compelled. And there's a photograph that he that he references.
0: That from the from looking at the photograph, it looks an awful lot like he's wearing a steel, not gold watch.
1: And, and Knight's biggest, uh, I, I mean, I think he makes that point, but his biggest his biggest takeaway is the the takeaway that I made. That I completely stole from Knight, uh, which is that if Rolex could say that Tenzing Norgay was wearing a Rolex on the summit, why didn't they do so?
0: Yeah. And and in fact, he goes on to say, not only did they not do so, they so deliberately skirted around the topic and dismissed the importance of it. So there is a statement. I'm going to read two statements. Please do. I'm going to read one from Smith's. And I'm going to read one from Rolex. D.W. Barrett, the managing director of Smith's Clocks and Watches, in the September letters page, wrote, and I have to read the whole thing. It's, it's important. With reference to Mr. C.E. Fowler's letter, which appeared in the August issue of the Orological Journal, in which our name was mentioned, I would say that advertising is one thing, in fact, another. The facts are, as we know them, that the Committee of the British Mount Everest Expedition indicated that in many ways the expedition was to be a national enterprise and the aim would be to equip it entirely with British goods. Our watches and certain other Smith's equipment, including oxygen gauges, were supplied, and we received a written assurance that the watches would be worn to the ultimate point reached on the mountain. Sir Edmund Hillary has stated in writing that he took a Smith's watch to the summit and no other. And he has offered the actual watch which he wore to the worshipful company of clockmakers for permanent exhibition in their museum at Guildhall. Based upon the evidence, which we are prepared to put before the editor and or any authority, we claim that a smith's watch was the first to reach the summit of Everest. It was not an automatic type and was wound by Sir Edmund at the time he, with tensing, on May 29th, went over his equipment at Camp Number 9 at 27,900 feet. Prior to setting it off, at 6.30 a.m. on the final assault of the summit, it was, of course, at his smith's watch that he looked at the dramatic moment that he reached the top and noted it was exactly 11.30 a.m. And he goes on to say a couple other things. Now, that's
1: Smith's Smith's
0: official statement, basically saying, prove me wrong, bro, right?
1: (laughs) That is the ultimate prove me wrong.
0: And now a letter from the director of Rolex. There have been a few comments in the recent issue of the journal concerning the question of the supply of wristwatches to the successful 1953 British Mount Everest exhibition. It is a fact that Smith's watches formed a part of the equipment of the expedition, as has been officially recognized by the Royal Geographical Society, but it is al- but it is also a fact recognized by the Royal Geographical Society that the team was equipped with Rolex watches, in fact, Roy- Rolex Oyster Perpetual. It is also a good thing that the British watches have been associated in such a fine way with the British and successful ascent of Mount Everest, but we are also very proud to have been officially associated with that expedition and of course many other expeditions to everest and the himalayas in the past in our view it is quite unimportant as to which person was wearing which watch at the top because as has been said by colonel Bryce, colonel sir john hunt the whole job was a team effort
1: and there's more there's more <laughs> to go good. on there was good people on
0: both sides <laughs> but but that's ultimately the gist of this letter it's it's ambiguous it's never refuting the claim that smiths was the watch on the summit is saying
1: we was there. That's <laughs> we, what matter. we were in the vicinity. <laughs>
0: That's what matters. And this is fascinating. It's such weird. And this is this is a question that we we started at the beginning, but but ultimately, why? Why? If you were there, fucking say you were there, or don't say. Hey, you know what? Somebody else's watch made it to the top. That's what they happen to be wearing. But we were just as prepared to be at the top too. Yeah. Yeah. What a strange. Why? and and so this that that article, and we're obviously going to link to it because this is a terrific article and and for sure, the best researched article I've read or could find on this meaningless topic
1: meaningless, meaningless, but but also sort of incredibly meaningful, yeah, right. in terms of in terms of the assumptions that we make with watches, right? I, I think that like the first assumption you make with watches is that Rolex was the first on Everest.
0: There's, I'm sure, people out there who believe Rolex to be the first watch on the moon too, right? <laughs>
1: it's, it's objectively true. Yeah, 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 that's right. uh you, you know, I, I, I love this story, and I think it's fantastic, and I think it's fun, and I think ultimately we can't really know the answers because, uh you, you know, the way the the marketing was such an integral part of this. Uh, and then everyone who climbed, who everyone on that
0: expedition was suddenly snatched up as brand ambassadors for Rolex.
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the bigger picture, right? So so, so in the f- years following the expedition, Norgay, Hillary, and Hunt, who we, we didn't really talk about because we don't have time, but uh, you can read about this. All three of these guys who are really the ones who we want to hear talk about this are employed by Rolex. And definitely signed NDAs, Right. <laughs> that's that's right (laughs) i I mean these guys are these guys are on the payroll as it were so uh it 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 begs the question certainly it begs the question right but but it also suggests this glossing of the details and it's wonderful it's enjoyable the process is enjoyable we're not trying to tell you what's what um i I probably personally believe as we sit here today that Rolex wasn't there. Um I
0: think Rolex was at base camp.
1: And I think I think Rolex attempted, but Rolex came up short cuz
0: that's what was being worn on the day. And the funny thing is, who gives a shit what watch they were wearing? The fact is, Rolex survived almost to the summit. So did Smith's. Rolex, a objectively superior watch for that purpose, survived. Smith's, not purpose-built for that, survived. Yeah. They both survived. This, these are technological marvels.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And we're worried about which one made it.
1: You know, and, and maybe that's the maybe that's the touching off point, right? Does it matter? Does it matter? And probably it doesn't. In the grand scheme of things, it certainly doesn't. Right? Because
0: humans made it and again came back down. That's way more
1: impressive to me. Yeah, that's right. And and we know that you know both these brands were in the game and and ultimately it's a marketing game at the end of the day, um, but. It's always fun to sort of question your assumptions or even more than assumptions, right? Columbus circumnavigated the globe and discovered America, right? You know, it's it's important to correct uh, our assumptions about what happened in history. It's important to at least acknowledge that there was a machine creating a story, and now we can with thoughtful revisiting of these topics, sort of rethink these things. I think we demand that Rolex right the wrong. Right, <laughs> Let's do it. I demand, I hereby uh-huh. demand.
0: <laughs> I, 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 I'm gonna need you to draft a cease and desist that Rolex market as the, the first watch to summit Everest.
1: You're calling in the lawyer privilege. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll work on it. We'll, we'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it, right? Yeah. I don't suspect that any of our listeners are going to be mad.
0: No, I think maybe this some is such people, a fun story that, like, that's, we're, right. we're talking about the the human condition here the the weird innate desire to go and conquer shit, and the weird innate desire of other people to take credit or to coattail ride what other people have conquered,
1: and the the way that coattail riding shapes a brand, right? I, I mean, our decisions, right? that Rolex leans heavily on their Everest
0: expedition when they don't need to, they, there are so many expeditions that Rolex has been a part of that. If they struck Everest from the list, they would not be any less for it. They didn't need Everest, but they claimed it.
1: Well, and I think in some ways, I think in some ways, uh, the, the behemoth that is Rolex, uh, is, is magnificent. And, And interesting, you you know, I I think people oftentimes assume Rolex had the first waterproof watch case. We've talked about that on the show a number of times. Yeah, Certainly they didn't. But they claim to. Uh, You you know, I I think other people assume Rolex had the first dive watch. Certainly they didn't. Uh, I think people assume Rolex had the first watch on Everest. Probably they didn't.
0: But as it happens, they... They do tend to make the best watch in that category.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, (laughs) even if they're late to the game, they show up and they show up good. And and they've, they've had the ability to tailor, you know, a lot of credit to Hans Waldorf and, and Rolex for having that foresight, um, to be in the right place at the right time and to tell a story, to, to Mm -hmm. really craft a story that's wonderful and that I love. Right. And they're, they're beyond
0: that, they're, their ability to engineer is so nimble. Yeah, it hasn't been in the last couple of decades, but they have been so nimble and so quick to react to what the market wants and needs. And yeah. now people just, you know, mostly want the logo, right? right. But <laughs> and they, but they can do it. They can get away with not releasing new stuff.
1: Yeah, they don't need to. Well, on that end, uh, on that note, uh, I think we've probably reach the end of our useful ability to tell this story and or anything else you want to add about that everest trip
0: no just get on and read about it it's fun
1: it's fun we'll put some links we'll drop some links to some random articles but i think i think that you could really go down a rabbit hole on this and and if you do do and let us know your thoughts on it and we'll we'll revisit this subject in a uh cursory way in the future do better than mr knight go deeper (laughs) that would be incredible i don't know if you could go deeper but try andrew other things, what do you got? So I recently watched on Amazon
0: the Eco Challenge show. The the world's, oh shoot, what's it called? The world's most dangerous race or the, moral, the world's? Something like that. Something along those lines. It's got Bear Grylls on the cover of it. It's a <laughs> tile on Amazon. It's the world's something race. Sure. But it, uh, it highlights, it's a reality show of a real race of, the Eco Challenge, which is a rebooted adventure race from like the '90s and early 2000s, where they choose a locale and teams pay to participate in this multi-day adventure race. So, and not a small sum of money. No, it's it's actually a relatively small sum of money for the support that they offer. Uh, so, to to register for the 2019 Fiji, it was a five thousand dollar entry fee. For a team. Plus air... Yeah, for a team of five people. That's not bad. Plus airfare to Fiji. So you're looking at $10,000-ish. Ish. Ish. They provide accommodations for three days prior, three days after the event. And you need your food. Like you you need your your normal shit for an expedition. But they provide you your rafts, your stand-up paddle boards, accommodations, three days both ends. And it also uh, pays for all the support staff that goes into making a race like that happen. And also a $100,000 prize for the winning team, a $50,000 prize for the second place team, and a $25,000 prize for the third place team. So, you know, there's that purse that has to get paid for. Now, I was vaguely familiar with the Eco Challenge, having been of consciousness right, kind of towards the end of the Eco Challenge. And what this is is a multi-day, hundreds of kilometers race that I think 66 teams were a part of this Fiji race. And they highlighted about 20 or so, maybe 30 of the teams and their struggle to get from start to finish. And it was grueling. It was like, it looked like one of the most fun and challenging experiences you could ever go through. So they start on these little uh, like kayaks, like Outrigger kayaks, and they have to kayak across the fucking ocean from one island of Fiji to the next. <laughs> and then they gotta trek through the mountains, whether it on foot or on mountain bikes. And then they gotta stand up paddleboard up river. And then they gotta trek some more and they gotta mountain bike some more. And then they gotta traverse through a eight kilometers of river and it's cold. And they gotta climb up a waterfall. They gotta do all these crazy things. And it's unsupported while you're out there. You have your team and you have a radio if you die. <laughs> and it's what you carry on your back, and it, and there's not people carrying these big backpacks, right? They're not going out for like multi-day expedition in their bag. They're all carrying like 35 liter bags with enough food and water to carry them to the next point. And it was so fun to watch that. It made me like I. It was so fun watching it. I was like, I want to do an eco challenge, and I'm like, no, dude, you don't want to do an eco challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe adventure racing I could get down with, you yeah. know, hundred mile races that are multi-discipline. Because I can't I, ultra ultra marathons, ultra running, never going to be for me, because I hate running right. a lot. Right. I love mountain climbing. I love mountaineering. I love kayaking, stand up paddleboarding, and rafting, and all these other things. And I love trekking through the wilderness. So you and I, our other thing, is actually more of an invitation. You and I are going to start. Uh, looking around for adventure races and i'm into it dude build a little team and we're gonna do
1: adventure racing i'm into it yeah and you if you want to be part of this team submit your applications to
0: us just hit us up on the instagram
1: or let us know of any
0: adventure races and i'm not talking like tough Mudder's because those don't look fun or like that whatever the other like the the what's the competitor to tough Mudder
1: oh spartan race yeah, no, yeah. not that stuff I, That's I'm, all bullshit I'm,
0: it's bullshit but i'm also not interested in in like just, just obstacle courses yeah with yeah. running there has got to be something more fun than that yeah like multi-day so there's one there's a bunch in oregon yeah um uh, and they're gonna start them back up in in next year what's the one they do in bend the pull paddle there's one of those there's like the bend uh adventure race yeah. but there's a lot in the pacific northwest and there's one that i read about uh it's through a company called like crank uh, and they do a lot of adventure racing and this year because they had to cancel them all they're selling maps ten dollars they send they, they they're selling you the digital map and route for what these adventure races were going to be and there's one that starts just south of seattle to go do their adventure race just totally unsupported and i'm thinking about buying the map
1: we'll have, to, we'll have to look at like a timeline to be able to do it and well, I mean, he, so I have certain skills and then other things I'm very bad at. Right? So am I. So I'm good at overland. I'm not so good at going up. Like, like climbing? Like or climbing. like, or yeah, like that's mountain, right. Or like, like just a. That's a, right. Lower a, body in, strength. I've got it for days. Well, Upper yeah. body strength. I'm very limited. I don't think the one, that one is going to require like rock climbing. Okay. All right. Well, I'm into it either way. It sounds super fun. Yeah, I think it'd be a blast. So
0: if you know of any adventure races, hit us up and definitely check out the, uh, the Amazon show that highlights Eco Challenge 2019 in Fiji. It was really fun. I just,
1: I powered through it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It has Bear Grylls. He's a little bit of a douche, but. Bear Grylls is awesome. He's a little bit of a douche though. But he's like the most awesome douche ever.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll accept that. <laughs> but there's like these shots of him back flipping out of the helicopter to go do stuff. And it's like, come on, dude. We know.
1: Good on you, bro. <laughs> we know. So I've got another thing. Do it. This is a little different, and I don't know how well I want to approach it. I'm sort of, I'm still sort of navigating the approach mentally. Can we play it, or do you think we'll get sued? I, I think we shouldn't play it. Okay. I think we shouldn't play it. However, however, uh, I like hip-hop. Hip-hop autonomous? <laughs> <laughs> I like the music formerly known as hip-hop. Formally? Uh, formerly, Still? perhaps uh and i think that there's this thing right it, whatever you're into there's this idea that you've got to sort of locate the best of whatever this or that uh and and i'm engaged in that sort of peripherally right uh in terms of hip-hop i think it's very fun to talk about the best verses of all time i think it's fun i think it's a fun conversation to, to engage in and I think that there's a lot of really good contenders. And I'm not going to talk about any of those contenders except for one. Because I've decided, in my own mind, this is subjective. And there's a number of arguments that you could make that this isn't true. But it doesn't matter, because I'm just going to tell you what my opinion is. Having been a student of hip-hop for at least 30 years, and having been very sort of deeply and heavily invested in the in the music and the culture, I think... I have decided for myself what the greatest verse of all time is. So Kanye West, a number of years ago, circa 2009 or 10, I can't remember which, released an album called My Dark Twisted Fantasy. It's wonderful. It's like the revolver of hip-hop albums. Say what you will about Kanye West, and I do not love Kanye West as a human being. He cray. He cray. Uh, with that said, I think he is one of the most talented Hip hop artist that's ever lived. However, he is not the subject of this of this choice. Rather, it is one Nicki Minaj. So he sort of is a subject. On My Dark Twisted Fantasy, there's a song called Monster. And this song features Kanye West, obviously. I mean he it's his song, right? So it doesn't feature him. It features Jay-Z, Rick Ross, Bonnie Vare, and Nicki Minaj. Uh, at the time, young Nicki Minaj. And Nicki New to the game. because She's still pretty young. Yeah, that's right. New to the game. So she had sort of showed up, and she had released some good shit at the time. And then she comes on Monster, and I will say without any shadow of a doubt, it is one of the most incredible things ever recorded. But further, I'll posit that it's the greatest hip-hop verse of all time. So, and she says in the verse... 50K for a verse, no album out, suggesting that I am the greatest, even though I'm brand new. And furthermore, Kanye West is on record. Having said, I almost took that out because I realized that people were going to say it was the greatest verse on the greatest hip-hop album of all time. Now, I think whether or not my Dark Twisted Fantasy is the greatest hip-hop album of all time, much more arguable than the fact that that is certainly the greatest verse on that song and probably the greatest verse of all time so i'm coming at you watch fam if you're in if you're not into hip-hop that's right uh, over your head then feel yeah. free <laughs> just to skip this however if you're into it i would love to hear your arguments but what i want you to do is i want you to pull it up on apple music or spotify or whatever pull it up and listen to it because i think it is just the greatest just the greatest of all time fantastic and wonderful I, in, think,
0: I think Eminem's line, wrapping circles around square lyricists, is one of the best
1: lines of all time. All right. This is, there's lots of good lines. There's lots of, but in terms of whole verses, holy shit, man. I'm not familiar enough with the whole verse. I'm have to go back and listen. No, I'll play it for you afterward now. Okay. Andrew, my friend, do you have anything that you want to add before we uh, move in the direction of shutting off? I don't. I'm done. Totally done. You got it out of me. <laughs> that was a fun episode. Thanks yeah. for thanks for doing this. I kind of brought this up on a whim. It was fun. I like it. Let us know your thoughts. I like adventure watches. Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast. Check us out on Instagram at 40and20 or on watchclicker.com. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash 40and20. That is where we get all the support for the show. We really need your help. And to the extent you're there to help us already, we love you for it. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.